This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's the show after the show. This is the After 9 Podcast with Scott and Kat. Happy National Takeout Day, everybody. This is not officially a day. It's not on the National Day calendar, which has more or less assumed responsibility for declaring days. Uh, But it is a day that was declared by restaurateurs and by chefs and by many other stakeholders in the restaurant industry. Wednesdays throughout the pandemic were encouraged to order food and and, uh, support our local restaurants. Mm -hmm. National Takeout Day. And you are taking part in this? Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite restaurants. It's such a guilty pleasure of mine. It's called Halifax Original Donair. They have two locations, one in Burlington, one in Milton. And for anybody who's ever been to Halifax, you know that at Pizza Corner, they have the original Donair restaurants with the real Donair sauce. So this restaurant imported it here to Ontario. I guess technically that's not an import because it's the same country, but you know what I mean. In any case, uh, they have the original Donair sauce, so I will support them today. But here's the trick. Pick it up. Pick up your food today if it's at all possible. I mean, any order is good. It's supporting the restaurant. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I've really learned a lot about lately is how much delivery services like Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats charge for that food. They charge the restaurant Uh, a portion of the bill. So uh, one restaurateur told me that it was like 25% of the total bill goes to skip the dishes. It's like 30% for Uber Eats. And the restaurants really don't have a choice because the delivery apps have done such a good job at getting us all trained to just go there when we want takeout. That's the thing. Yeah, and it's a type of advertisement for them, right? So it's kind of, uh, it's difficult because I understand that they have to charge money. They can't not charge money to restaurants or they wouldn't, it wouldn't be a business. Those apps would not be a business. But on top of that, if you're a restaurant who does want to get your name out there, it's quite possible people would have never even thought about going out of their way to see you, but they happen to see you on the app. So they purchased your stuff and now they're a future uh client of yours or what have you so yeah i mean i get it i i do think that some of them are too much some of them are more than others that's what i don't understand there's like a gap like you said it's but somewhere between like some are like 10 15 or something others are like 30 percent. that seems yeah. crazy to me it seems to go that the big franchises get a deal because they are pushing so many orders through the app i i don't imagine that if Uber Eats wanted to get McDonald's on their platform, they could just go to McDonald's and say, this is the way it is, take it or leave it. Because McDonald's has one of those reputations that everybody knows them. They don't necessarily need Uber Eats or skip the dishes. So I believe they've worked out some some better deals than, say, your average mom and pop shop. So I think the trick today to is celebrating National Takeout Day is, if you can, contactless curbside pickup. If you go and pick it up, the restaurant is saving that fee that they would have to pay to the delivery services. You still get your food. This is a double win for everybody. And I got a great message on Facebook, I believe it was. Somebody sent me a note and said, Scott, I saw that you're promoting National Takeout Day. Good for you. For me, I just don't trust it yet. Mm -hmm. I don't want to catch anything. I don't trust eating food from a source that I didn't cook. Fair criticism? What do you think? Yeah. 
It's fair. It's fair. Um, I, I hope that as time goes on and they see that it is, for the most part, safe. And a lot of these businesses, these restaurants are doing everything humanly possible to make sure that they put food, the food that they put out is safe and the packaging is safe and everybody's healthy that's that's making these products but i understand from from that perspective uh that they're a little bit nervous i was very nervous at first i actually only did my ever first curbside pickup over the weekend that was the very first time i did where did you go so there's a great keto bakery I love and I love to support and there's not enough of them out there. So the one that I really like is in Cambridge, downtown Galt. It's um, it's fantastic. It's called Sugar Daddies. They have cupcakes, they have bagels, they have all things keto and they did a special Easter pickup on Sunday. So I wanted to support them because I want to make sure that they keep going because we really like going there. So I did uh, a big order and pulled up into the back parking lot and the way that they did it was you'd send them a text message to a certain number, you give them your vehicle um, color and plate and you open the back hatch or the side door, whatever, to help them out and make it as seamless and contactless as possible. So it went really smooth. It was fantastic. And once I got through that, I'll tell you, I was a little less nervous about going forward, doing some more uh, things like that, doing curbside pickups or takeout or delivery. I watched a great CNN special on this. They were doing a town hall asking questions about uh, the coronavirus. People wanted to know certain things. One of the questions that got asked to Dr. Sanjay Gupta is, is takeout food safe? And Dr. Gupta, who I trust, he seems like a very knowledgeable doctor. He's Mm -hmm. a neurosurgeon. He said... It is safe to order takeout. Keep in mind a couple of things. Number one, this virus is airborne. It's not foodborne. If there, if somebody who had the coronavirus happened to get droplets or something like that in the food, and I know they take a lot of precautions to make sure that doesn't happen, but if they did, you can't get the coronavirus by swallowing it. It has to be inhaled into your lungs. So in that sense... Uh, The stomach acid will get rid of it. You don't have to worry about catching COVID-19 from eating takeout food. However, what you do have to be careful with is the containers and the packaging. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard a number of stories now from people who claim they got infected by picking up packaging or picking up groceries that they ordered online. The person who delivered it, for example, may have been infected and they touched that plastic bag. You touch the plastic bag, you touch your face, boom. So I guess the best bet here is wash your hands before you actually eat and take the food out of the takeout containers. Put it on a plate and eat like a civilized human being. (laughs) You're asking way too much of people right now. (laughs) Eating food out of a takeout container when you're not in the car is borderline animalistic. You are asking for way too much during a pandemic. No, I totally agree with you. And wipe down. Don't be afraid to wipe down the packaging. Like if stuff comes in uh, plastic uh, takeout containers, let's say, for example, um, you can wipe it down. You can give it a little wipe before you open it up too. on top of, like you said, washing your hands. That's so important. We can't say that enough. And how many times have you heard people say wash? your hands this year wash your damn hands before you eat you should have done that before anyway but do that and then uh yeah i think it's perfectly safe and i've i've honestly felt a little more at ease doing that and i i definitely want to help our local businesses here in kw so i plan to do a lot more of this uh curbside pickup specifically I'm supporting restaurants all over Ontario. I will go a long way or pay a big delivery fee to get the food that I want. Um, (laughs) Let's talk a little bit here about the uh, World Health Organization. Yesterday in Donald Trump's press conference, which 
There's no fucking way that he isn't just trying to stir up shit. Like, he treats that briefing that he does every day, sometime between 5 and 6 o'clock, as like a made-for-TV primetime event, and I swear he intentionally antagonizes some of these reporters just to get them going so that that'll be the story for the next 24 hours until he does another one. It's all about ratings for this guy. But yesterday, he opened up his news conference by saying, we are defunding the World Health Organization. America's contribution to the WHO, which apparently is in the hundreds of millions of dollars a year, is on hold. He said the WHO has failed to carry out its basic responsibility and they must be held accountable. Pending a review, he's pulling all their funding. Wow. I mean, that's big. That is huge. And I saw, when, as that news came down, as he said that, I saw people tweeting who, you know, automatically want to say something negative about what Trump does. Oh, what an asshole. You know, what a jerk face. Da, 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 da. But... Is there a little bit of something to it where yeah. when you look back to how the fucking who... right? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, ask the question, but I already know the answer. You're oh. goddamn right. There is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because if you look back, I mean, I don't think enough people just want to attack Trump over over anything, and and that you know that fine. But really, when you you take a look at it and you understand where he's coming from, I mean, I, I get it. You want to do a review before you keep giving this money. There's a lot of things they did wrong during this, and I know it was difficult because. A, could most of us do what they do? No. And I get that. It takes a special amount of education and whatnot. But uh, they didn't do things based on the information they had as well as they could have. And I think most people would agree with that across the board. So I don't automatically go, damn you, Trump, you jerk face. No, actually, I understand that there should be a review. And I agree with doing that. So I think that it's probably a dangerous idea to defund the World Health Organization in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. However, where Trump is right is that they need to be looked into. Uh, he points out they failed to do their basic responsibility, which is advise the world that there's a pandemic coming. They're supposed to track it, trace it, and give the warning. There are advance warning to tell other countries, hey, this shit's going on in this part of the world, uh, West Nile, for example. And if you guys don't take action to mitigate, then it could come to your shores. They didn't do that. In this case, it was out of Wuhan, China. They were aware of it. And, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but go back. Listen to the podcast that we did in January and in February and in early March asking, why have they not declared this a pandemic? At one point in one of the podcasts, I actually said the World Health Organization is basically just a cheerleader at this point. For China, they don't want to say anything negative about China. And I really can't figure out why, because that's where the virus originated from. The virus came here because other countries were slow to react. And it's funny because people get real desperate politically to try and defend their guy. And they'll defend Donald Trump, or sorry, they'll accuse Donald Trump of saying, well, uh, Trump was slow to react too. You can't just blame the World Health Organization. The whole point of the fucking World Health Organization is that countries get their information mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. If the WHO says it's not a pandemic, yeah. I don't understand why any yeah. country would think otherwise. All government reacts based on what the World Health Organization, the tip of the top of the best of the health people should be in the world. That's what they're waiting on. They're waiting on that. So they react based on that. So it makes sense that they'd be a little bit slower. In some cases, sure. I mean, I I agree with that. We could have done more. 
here in our own backyard, Ontario, Canada. We could have done it quicker. I said long ago we should have done the uh, essentials only, like a month before it happened. I stick with that. I think we should have, and it would have been a little bit better outcome, but whatever. But that said, I mean, yeah, it, it, it makes sense that it all trickles down. The who tells us, and then our government reacts. Well, to summarize here, before you start firing off your strongly worded DM, uh, let me just say, do they deserve to be defunded? I don't know. Should there be an investigation? Damn right there should be. Yeah. Is now the time to defund them? Absolutely not. Hey, listen, yeah. it sucks to have to pay a $500 million a year to fund an organization that you think is screwing you, but just do it a little bit longer, get through this pandemic, and then maybe it's time to disband. In fact, maybe we should just take one of the leaders, like John Hopkins University in Baltimore, and say, you're the new who. You're the ones who are going to do our tracing or just bring everything in house. Maybe the U.S. has their own who and Canada has its own who we're paying Dr. Teresa Tam. God knows how much money a year and she doesn't seem to be doing any better. So maybe we should just bring it in house and just share data the same way we share intelligence. Speaking of uh, grasping at straws to defend or persecute your guy. Let's talk a little bit about what happened on the Easter weekend. Andrew Scheer took a government challenger jet from Regina to Ottawa. Now, there was a jet going anyway because we had a session of parliament and they had to fly Elizabeth May in from Vancouver Airport and they had to fly in a liberal MP from somewhere out west and they had to bring in Andrew Scheer. He's the leader of the opposition. Challenger jets, I believe, hold uh, 10 or 11 people. These are the government owned ones. And Scheer brought his whole fucking family. Five people on this plane. And he held a news conference yesterday and the media asked him, like, do you really think that was appropriate? It was disgusting. He blew off the question. And I'm not an Andrew Shear fan or uh, necessarily a hater. I'm right in the middle. So I feel like I can be unbiased about this. He said, well, listen, I was going to spend Easter with my family and, you know, we could have taken a series of connecting commercial flights to get from Regina to Ottawa, but there was already a plane coming. It was part of the government travel service and there were seats on the plane. So I put my family in it. No, dude, you're the leader. You leave your family at home mm. where they're safe. Don't bring them on a fucking plane. And I don't care if, well, Elizabeth May did it. Yeah, she was on the plane, too, because she's a parliamentarian. And I'm sorry, but our leaders should be doing their job right now. And their job is in parliament, whether they do it virtually or they actually sit in the house and distance themselves. Those fuckers better get back to work in Ottawa. We need to have the government running the show with a responsible opposition looking after things. That's the only way to get it done. So, Sheer, you shit the bed on that one. You need to own that. Now, as far as Trudeau is concerned... He decided he was going to up and go see his family at the cottage. He's wrong, too. Listen, uh, that news conference that he did yesterday where the reporter asked him about it, and it was kind of a gotcha question, but I know that Trudeau was expecting it. He said, I was with my family and we followed all public health guidelines. That's not really answering the question. The question was, do you think it was appropriate for you to do that? And the answer is no. This is a guy who's been living at Rideau Cottage working from home for over a month now because he wants to set a good, positive example for Canadians. Then set a good, positive example. If you want people to stay home, you should stay home like you have been at the cottage, grabbing your entire motorcade and driving over the Quebec border to your cottage to spend time with your family who you had not been with for the last week. 
That's not appropriate. Even if you did follow public health guidelines, we were all told stay away from our families. You should have stayed away from your family, too. Or you should have gone with them to Quebec when they went. Did he go did he go back to the cottage after that, by the way? Yeah, now he's back home again. So, but and now they're separated again. So, just wait until another occasion when they do want to see each other again. Uh, why are they not together though? I'm confused why the family's just not together now. Sophie, after she went through her self-isolation period there at the house, decided she was going to take the kids and go to the cottage for whatever reason. I still think there's something up there, but that's just wild speculation on my part. Either way, she wanted to grab the kids and go, and Trudeau wanted to be with his kids on Easter. I get it. I wanted to be with my kids on Easter, too. But if you don't mind, Justin, you were the one who said stay home. Don't get together with family you don't live with. So I didn't. And you should have followed your own advice. And blowing off the question in Parliament, or sorry, in uh, your news conference, that's bullshit. I mean, come on, dude. People deserve answers. And stop doing these news conferences unless you're going to give full answers. It's not a chance for you to just get talking points out. We're not in an election campaign. We're in the middle of a damn crisis. And you need to be accountable. Uh, Speaking of which, Doug Ford, he keeps saying blame him. Blame him. You know, I mean, uh, he's accepting responsibility for everything that's gone right and everything that's gone wrong so far. And the latest thing to go wrong is our long-term care residences, our retirement homes, our seniors' homes. So today, he might even be doing it now. No, it's going to be about an hour from now as we record here. He says today he will announce... um, that the long-term care homes are the front line in the battle against COVID-19. There are 93 outbreaks across Ontario in long-term care homes. Mm-hmm. 93 of them! I'm just trying to figure out, is there any any word on what he could be saying? And again, by the time you listen to this podcast, you guys might know. Uh, but it, what, what are we hearing? Because how, how can you fix this? In some, for s- people who don't know anything about many long-term care homes there's different setups every place is run so differently but there are some places that in one room will house like three or four or two to four uh residents in one room and that becomes problematic obviously will there be a suggestion of taking them out dividing them into different places hotels being involved in some cases like what are we hearing Yeah, as far as I know, the primary part of this policy is just going to be that if you work at a long-term care home, you can't work at any other long-term care homes. I don't know why they were doing that anyway in the middle of a pandemic, but as it turns out, you could be a a nurse or a whatever at one particular long-term care home on Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday, work at a totally different one. Right. What in the actual fuck? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. No wonder it's spreading through old people homes. I didn't and know that that they was... They were the front line. Yeah. You should have I... been doing this ages ago. <laughs> I didn't know that was still happening, honestly, but I do. I have heard of that. There's a lot of grouped uh, retirement homes or, um, for example, people who run classes for seniors at these homes, right? I know someone who's a yoga instructor at a senior's uh, living space that's in multiple places. I don't know if she's still doing it, but I'm just giving examples. There's someone else who specifically does... Uh, lunch lunches and goes from one to the other prepping lunches for example so i'm guessing it's those kind of workers um and special people who are doing specialty uh, therapies and things of that nature within those homes so that makes that makes nothing but sense and i'm surprised if it hasn't already been implemented that 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 it hasn't been implemented yet it should definitely be you shouldn't be traveling from one spot to another no listen These retirement residences, in most cases, are privately owned. They are a business. And I don't understand why 
Well, I'm sure there will be lots of time when all this is over where we're going to take a serious look at how some of these businesses handled things. But if you think about it, um, the colleges, the universities, they deserve a ton of credit. The high schools and the elementary schools, they deserve credit. Uh, For elementary schools, the province said, boom, you're shut down. High schools, boom, you're shut down. March break, it's going to be three weeks, not one. And we may extend it beyond that. And they've now extended it twice beyond that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Post-secondary, as you know, I've got a daughter in university. She was given 48 hours notice. Get your shit, get out. Get out. Mm -hmm. Okay, no problem. I understood the severity of the situation. So did she. We put our masks on, we put our rubber gloves on, and we moved her out on a moment's notice. Gone. Why on earth... Are the retirement homes just being dealt with now on April the 15th? Why is this policy just going in now when we knew from the beginning? The one thing we did know about this virus from the start is it disproportionately affects older people. Why did we not go after this sooner? I'm trying to think of like the best the best ways that that we can handle this, though, going forward, because I think most people know it's not going away anytime soon. This is going to continue to be a pandemic for at least a little while longer. I really hope it's a little while. But what are the ways that we that we can fix it? And one of the questions I have, maybe there's a lot of issues with it, is having some of them, some of the caretakers live in. And I know that's a huge ask, but I think that some places, if they're smart to make themselves look good, because like you said, it's a business, pay those people a ton more money, have them live in so they're not coming and going, and just have specific people who have to come and go for the essential stuff, like the food and the medications or whatever else needs to be done. And the ones that make a lot of money, and it is very expensive to put an old person in a home, the ones who make a lot of money should be thinking about doing things like that because I think those that will make them look really good right now. And I know it's a big ask for some of the employees that work there being away from family members or whatever else they have to do, but maybe make it an option for some so that they can help contain that. The supply chain. Is there something wrong with it? Because the last time I went to a grocery store, which was just before the long weekend, there was a lot of stuff that was sold out. And I don't mean like toilet paper. Toilet paper was sold out for ages now and it's starting to get restocked but there was a lot of stuff particularly in like the baking supplies section few things in the meat section that were sold out Mm -hmm. are we running low on supplies i'll give you another example before you answer that um pet smart they seem to be really low on supplies too i've tried to order the cat food that my cat likes and they're sold out at every location around here is that just we haven't caught up to the panic buying that was done? Or is there a problem with the supply chain, do you think? I don't know if it's a problem. I think that it's because companies are doing what they should be doing right now. So they're easing out, easing up on their lines and the amount of people working. Don't forget a lot of those people, uh, pet food production. Let's talk about that then. There was a lot of people working side by side on these lines to produce this pet food that can no longer work side by side, which probably makes that product take longer to bag and longer to stock and longer to transport, whatever the case is. I know of one food company that has actually kind of nixed a couple of the products that don't sell as well right now because they have no choice but to have less people working in one area. So less lines creating that product means, okay, you know what? We don't sell enough of this, this, and that. We're going to not talk about it. They're not talking about it, but they're just going to do it. And so that's why you'll notice certain products in some scenarios, certain products being just gone out of nowhere. They'll probably come back, 
but it's a it's a matter of manpower and and people don't have enough manpower and can't have that much manpower they also don't want to be a company that has to shut down because a couple of their employees have COVID-19 because they ran a risk of having too many people in one area creating a product because then you're really fucking yourself uh, I've got a theory that there's some very well-connected people in government that listen to this podcast because there's many times where we've mentioned something in the morning and then that afternoon or that evening, it ends up getting done. So I do want to throw this out there because I know we're getting close to time here. Uh, Justin Trudeau, his news conference is coming up in just over an hour. He needs, and I mean needs, to make an announcement about a relief benefit for students and for people who have lost a lot of their income, but not all of it. The current rules for the Canadian Economic Relief Benefit don't help out students who didn't make $5,000 a year last mm-hmm. year. Uh, you take a side job, you're uh, grabbing grocery carts at Longo's or you're stocking the shelves at Canadian Tire. If that's your summer job, you probably didn't make 5000 which means you are now not eligible for the relief benefit, and you should be. There's a lot of people who are given a choice. Lose your job completely, or we'll keep you on, but we're going to cut your pay. Yeah. People had to make that deal to keep their pay. Well, they're suffering now, and they're entitled to money as well. Justin, whoever it is that talks to Justin, that listens to this podcast, that needs to get done, dude. You've got to start helping out more people, because if you don't, people are going to start getting desperate, and dumb shit's about to start happening. They did mention they were aware of it, but I don't know what that means. Being aware of it and doing something about it are two completely different things. I'm with you there. I hope that they do something about it that would be great um so many people with side hustles right now that are just sure and i i get it 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 sucks it sucks right now uh i'm just going to give you a couple quick headlines and then we'll wrap it up uh in indiana in the u.s they've got a stimulus program similar to ours so guy just got his 1700 dollars stimulus check for the month of april unfortunately the government didn't deposit 1700 dollars they deposited eight million $8.2 $8.2 million to be exact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That'll turn that frown upside yep. down, won't it? I won't say a fucking thing if that happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just be gone one day. You bet your ass you just won't see me again. Fuck happened to Cat? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, in Dallas, a special ed teacher who has been laid off. A lot of teachers got laid off south of the border because they can't teach. Uh, not just teachers, teaching assistants, admin, that sort of thing. So... This Dallas teacher got a $1,200 coronavirus stimulus check, used the entire thing to buy supplies so he could sew masks for his whole core of students. That's a good person. Wow. Thinking about those with special needs. That's so nice. Took that money, bought supplies, and then sewed masks for his students. I think that's lovely. I love, love, love that one. Uh, two doctors who were about to get married had their wedding ruined by the coronavirus. Number one, because you can't have large gatherings. Mm -hmm. And number two, because they're doctors. But the two work at Duke University Hospital. They hadn't planned things to go down this way. So they just got married in a hospital. They wanted to get married and they decided to do it. One is an OBGYN. The other is an ER doctor. They just got married at the hospital in the middle of a pandemic. Wow. Memorable. I mean, hey, you got to give them that. That's some friggin' memorable stuff right now. A lot of people, and I'm seeing some photos of people who are just like, you know what? I'm not giving up my wedding date because this is what I wanted. So they just have the minister come and proper social distancing, however they have to do it. And they're still doing their wedding. And you know what? There's something to be said for you have those memories. And you can always have a celebration later and a big one. But 
I think that that's kind of, you'll be able to look back on that and show maybe your kids if you have them or grandkids and be like, look what happened to us. This is fucked up. But we had our wedding this way because this is what happened. Honestly, save yourself a boatload of money. What you were going to spend on your wedding day, just get married. Go to City Hall. Uh, do it online. Do it through Zoom. I don't know. However the fuck you can get married. Just do it right now. And then you do the half-ass party later where everybody still shows up and gives you all your money. So that's the best <laughs> way to do it. Because you can uh, save money on so many different things. And let's face it, it's like a destination wedding. Those people who go down to Dominican and get married and then come back and have a party and expect all the money. Okay, this is even better than that because you don't have to put out any money on the actual ceremony and reception. You can just half-ass it by throwing a party when you get back and collect hundreds of dollars from every guest. It's like a business. Go ahead and try it. Uh, there's a restaurant in Florida. They were trying to figure out any way to keep their restaurant open, even though they've laid off staff and they've cut costs as much as they can. Costs were still adding up. So what they decided to do was they had a $20,000 bottle of whiskey. They were going to sell it by the ounce. It would have been about 2,500 bucks an ounce. They decided we'll just sell the bottle. They were getting a whole bunch of lowball offers. And then finally, somebody came along and offered to pay their asking price to get this particular bottle. It's a bottle of Old Rip Van Winkle, 25-year-old whiskey. Apparently, most bourbon drinkers would kill to get their hands on this bottle. Somebody was going to pay full price. Person showed up to do the exchange, took the bottle, gave him the money. They opened up the envelope full of money. It was actually double. The guy said, yeah, I just wanted to support you guys, so I gave you more. That's so cool. I he love paid. hearing stories like that. I love that we're getting stories like that out of this. Yeah, me too. Uh, last one. Down in Florida, it's the Broward Circuit Court. One of the judges has decided he's going to do some hearings and convene some proceedings through Zoom. Hey, you, you can't get together in a courtroom right now, but the law must proceed. So he's allowing lawyers to appear in his court via Zoom. Well, now he just had to write a letter to the Weston Bar Association telling them, tell your members they've got to get dressed for court. In the letter, the judge says it's remarkable how many attorneys appear inappropriately on camera. We've seen lawyers in casual shirts and blouses. No grooming. Some of them are in bedrooms with the master bed in full view in the background. <laughs> One lawyer appeared shirtless and a female attorney was still in bed under the covers. <laughs> I <laughs> didn't even get out. <laughs> didn't even get out of bed for this. I love this. This is fucking court. That's hilarious. These are people that get paid a lot of money, man. They don't get paid nothing. Oh, boy. You know what? You know who's making out pretty well in all this is lawyers because they can do some work, but not all the work. And the courts here in Ontario are open for emergencies only. So in a lot of cases, these lawyers are using the time to... I don't know, connect with clients, which they bill you for. They're using this time to uh, try and negotiate settlements, which they bill you for. They're trying to work out deals, which they bill you for. But they're not going to the office. They're not going to court. They're just sitting at home on their computer making a mint in some cases. So you better hope you get a good outcome when all this is over, everybody, because you're right. certainly paying for it. You are. All right. It is uh, time to wrap things up for today. We will have another podcast before the week is done, likely on Friday, and that will include Missed Connections.